Welcome to Meet My Brain, a field guide to Asperger's. I'm your host, the autistic woman. In this episode, I'm going to share some tips about relationships that will empower you to weed out people who are not a good fit from early in the relationship. Knowing a few of these now will lead you toward what you do want and away from what you don't. The big drawback for being a person with AS is that communication is difficult, if not impossible. The other thing that plays a factor, or did in my case, in who to pick in a relationship is that most of my life, the relationships I saw didn't seem to have a lot of warmth or good communication between the two spouses. So I came to believe that having a distant relationship with another person was just how it was. The only time I saw warm, loving relationships or so it seemed, was on television or movies. And wanting to have a television or movie relationship was unrealistic. However, being a person with AS, how do you know what's in between those? How do you know which one is real or even possible? Especially when in real life, I wasn't seeing those amazing relationships. I tend to be attracted to someone with high intelligence. I say that I fall in love with their brain first, and that may be a common trait of people with AS. I didn't know I had AS until I was 64 years old, and by that time I had a lifetime of experience and generally being unable to feel satisfied in those relationships. I always blamed myself, so I spent years going to counselors, trying to become a person who would be successful. I read any kind of book I could get my hands on about romantic relationships, communication, relationships in general, how to overcome introversion. So because of AS, I had a lack of understanding of dynamics of relationships. And to people with AS, knowing the rules, or basically what our expected behavior is, is really important. Rules improve our confidence. They help us manage our behavior. They serve as a kind of guidebook for success. When I was first in college, I was lucky enough to have a very extroverted, outgoing, friendly, fun person as a roommate. As a result, I got to do a lot of cool things going along for the ride, so to speak. I felt confident when I was with her. I still couldn't, though, see someone across the room and smile at them. I could hardly look at them. And again, now I understand why that is. Back then, I think it gave the message that I was unapproachable. When these things start to add up, what appears to be a lack of confidence or a lack of interest, people just avoid us. No one approaches us at a bar and tries to strike up a conversation because we're already giving out that message message, don't come near me. I never have been able to look across a room and see someone that I might find interesting and be able to smile or catch their eye. The kinds of thoughts that go through my head is, what if they come over here and start a conversation? I don't know what I'll say. I don't know how I respond to something they say. I don't know how to keep a conversation going. What if they want something different than I want? And so all these questions would go through my mind and cause me to just pick panic and freeze. No matter how many books I read, I couldn't get over that. Without my realizing it, that was making me vulnerable in relationships. Also, because I didn't do a lot of dating, I wasn't getting much experience. I have always had 
a great desire to socialize and be around people. However, my ability to do that and my skills make that very difficult. So as time went on, I found that people who were outgoing were good for me because I could have social experiences without having to put myself out there a whole lot because the other person would do that. As a result, two significant relationships in my life were with the wrong kind of person and I didn't realize it for far too long. This episode is an opportunity for me to share these experiences and what I've learned to give you some parameters, information, advice, whatever you want to call it, so that you'll know what to look for and so that you'll understand whether the feelings you're having when in a relationship are you or the relationship. Feelings we have in a relationship are very intense and overwhelming, and that can cause us a lot of emotional pain. So the first piece of advice I would give is to know what you want in a relationship. That can be kind of frustrating. Do you want to be with a physicist, an artist, a gymnast? You know, you may have some thoughts about those particular things. I feel those are more of a sort of skeleton or outline of what you're really looking for. The most important thing I found was to have boundaries. The problem with the boundary thing is that I had no idea what that meant. It took me at least three years to understand what a boundary is. That the simplest way to describe it, even though it does involve setting limits, which is another phrase I had a hard time understanding, It's more about knowing how you want to be treated, not how you expect to be, especially if you've seen relationships that weren't that great in your life, but how you want to be treated and how you won't be treated. So what won't you accept in a relationship? When a relationship starts, it has different boundaries as the relationship progresses. So when you're in a new relationship, you're not gonna see the person every day because you have a boundary. You might choose not to date someone in another state because for you that's a boundary. Do you want someone who'll give you space and won't get mad at you for wanting it? That's a boundary and that's okay. Other boundaries that seem simple would be someone who ghosts you, someone who stands you up. If you understand boundaries, you're way ahead of me. One of the reasons to have boundaries is for yourself so that if you're dating someone you can look at your boundaries and ask yourself whether you're letting the person go outside your boundaries. You can also notice whether you feel unhappy when your boundaries are violated and it also gives you a little bit of an idea how the other person will treat you in the future. I heard about a little test you can do at the early stage of a relationship or maybe even someone you've just met. This test involves boundaries. What you do is tell the person your boundary which is don't call me after nine o'clock at night. For example, a person you don't want to be with will call you after nine o'clock at night but they'll have a good reason or else they'll just pretend like that you never told them or they forgot as petty as it may sound person that violates that boundary when you tell them not to call you or you may tell them not to text you as well that person is not the right one for you and I can say that because of experience and because it doesn't get better as soon as you allow a violation of your boundaries those will increase and every time there's a violation it weakens your boundary so then the stronger ones are weakened as well it also is a way to respect yourself when someone violates your boundary and you let them get away with it it affects your self-esteem the right kind of person for you will respect your boundaries 
they might ask, what's a good time to call or text you? What's the best time? You can even tell the person, I'm more comfortable if you text me before nine, for example. I think most of us would like to know that. Certainly those of us with AS who like rules because then we don't violate them. Then we don't make someone else unhappy. So even a person who's wrong for you might pass that first little test. The next thing to watch out for is how charming the person is. It means someone that wants to see you all the time. And that's hard for those of us, again, with AS, because we may like being with people. We like the attention of having someone in our life. And yet, seeing someone every single day, unless you've been in a relationship for a long time, is not a good sign. Some people with AS need a long time so much that they won't let this happen. And that's actually a good thing. Someone who's a good fit for you in a relationship will understand. Charming also includes someone who compliments you all the time, especially when they don't know you very well. That will often start out as complimenting your appearance. So telling you you're beautiful or you're so good looking, you're incredible, they've never met someone like you. Those are the kinds of statements that charming people use. In my opinion, people with AS can be particularly susceptible to charming people because we don't get a lot of positive feedback. I also think that inside, we know we're pretty amazing. We live in this incredible world in our minds. And so when someone outside recognizes it, or at least we think that's what's going on, we're so happy about it. We love the idea of having someone in our life who understands us or even admires us. And I say this only by way of emphasis. Someone who doesn't know you can't think you're that wonderful. Oh, but wait, person with AS thinks the other one is that wonderful. That's not real either. If you think someone you know is that wonderful, then it's more likely that your emotions are what's making the decisions. People with AS are very sensitive to emotions. When we're sad, it is painful. And when we're happy, it's delightful. It's amazing. It's wonderful. There's nothing like it. So if you think someone is so amazing and you start to feel something for them right away, that's a caution sign. Likewise, if they do the same with you, that's a caution sign. So we've got two things to look out for. That if someone violates that boundary about calling or texting you, that's just cut it off right there. If they do it once and you want to take the risk that it will happen again, that's up to you. If it happens again, run as fast as you can. Someone who suggests that you guys move in together after a month, believe me, that's bad news. Don't do it. And the tendency, particularly for people with AS, is to make excuses in your head for this behavior because you're trying to be accommodating and generous with your feelings. It's not the way to go. If you're making excuses for someone else's behavior toward you, especially when it violates one of your boundaries, you're doing the wrong thing. Okay, so let's say we're at the point where the person has passed your test for boundaries, and if they're charming, you're just not quite sure, which is understandable. The relationship, maybe it's moving a little fast, but I mean, how can you tell if somebody wants to see you every weekend? Is that a bad thing? It depends on the situation. Rely on your boundaries. 
So what's the next thing? Next one would be the person who ghosts you. You expect to hear from them and maybe they've even said they would contact you and then they don't. And it can be days at a time or weeks at a time. When this first starts happening, the other person will have all kinds of excuses. Oh, I had a cold. Oh, I had a work late. Oh, my friend was sick. Oh, my friend's car broke down and I had to pick them up. Uh Uh-uh, no, don't buy it. Those are excuses, not reasons. You can let this relationship go because it isn't the only one in the world. I certainly believed at some level that if I didn't make this relationship work, that would be my only chance. I'd be alone for the rest of my life. I was thinking this when I was 22 and it didn't happen. Another red flag, and I don't know about you, but people would tell me, watch for the red flags. I didn't understand what that meant, and I don't know how anyone could if they don't understand what a relationship is supposed to be when they haven't set boundaries. I would say a red flag includes something where you've set a boundary and the person has violated it. A boundary that you have specifically told them, that is a red flag. If you're trying to convince yourself that despite the other person's behavior, you should stay with them, that itself is a red flag. You want to be in a good relationship, and that behavior will never make a good relationship. The things I'm talking about are things that you can be aware of. It will take developing some skill, and you will be able to develop those skills. A really big one, and I think people with AS are particularly susceptible to this, is a person who wants you to buy into their reality. The techniques that they use are such that you may not really understand. My boundary is, if I'm going to live in someone's reality, it's not going to be yours. And there's nothing wrong with you feeling that way about everybody. Make your own reality. That means when someone tries to tell you things like, oh, you really are selfish, that's their reality. You don't have to buy into it. It's even more subtle than that with someone who does this as a habit or strategy or a way to control you. So here's an example. Let's say the person has been late a few times to something you're getting together to do, and maybe you even know that they have a legitimate reason. For example, that could be a police officer or firefighter who has to stay late on the job. And so you want to talk to them because you're a little frustrated by the fact that you sit around and wait and don't hear from this person. You could have been making other plans or doing something else. And so you're feeling frustrated and you're feeling like you're not being respected. And you're right. So you calmly approach the person at a good time and say, hey, I have a favor to ask. When you're going to be late, would you just text me or call me and let me know? You might get a variety of responses, which are the other one trying to get you to buy into their reality. Those include things like saying, I can't talk to you when you're like this. Or even, let's talk about this later when you're calm. Or, I can't deal with you when all you do is criticize me. Oh, here's a good one. 
You're never happy. No matter how hard I try to please you, all I get back from you are complaints. The main thing to think about here is that you approach that person to have a calm discussion about a behavior that you're asking them as a favor to change and instead you feel like you're personally attacked or that things the other one is saying aren't even true. And if you try to argue, like say, I'm not upset, I am calm, it's not going to work, which is another sign or a red flag. I wouldn't even expect to stand for a person trying to get me to buy into their reality now that I have experience, even one time. I will tell you that probably 99% of the cases, and I haven't done any research, so that could be inaccurate, will be that it will get worse. It will continue. It won't change. Whenever you try to approach a subject, you'll get the same kind of response that isn't even true in your eyes until pretty soon you don't even believe your own truth. It's a subtle kind of blame shifting that ends up leaving you confused and upset and frustrated by the fact that you can't communicate with the other person. And the tendency will be to blame yourself. And if you're like me, you'll go out and read another dozen books and that won't do any good. Another way someone can change reality or want you to buy into their version is when you start to hear, what about the time when? You may not want to argue. So here's a possible way you might encounter this. So you've approached your partner or person you're dating and you've told them what you need as far as letting you know if they're going to be late. And as a response, you get What about that time when I came to pick you up and you weren't even ready? Why should I call you? I already know you're not going to be ready. Or what about that time that you told me about where your brother texted you and you were mad at him so you didn't even answer? You think I'm going to waste my time texting you for no reason? This other person wants you to buy into their version of reality, which is if one time you weren't ready when I came to pick you up, then... I should never have to text you. And because there's a lot of emotion when this goes on, you may feel kind of a foggy feeling. And if you do, that's okay. But later, when you engage your thinking side of your brain, when the emotion has calmed down, ask yourself if that was reality. Now, I suspect all along you're going to have a bad feeling inside. And that is telling you something. And people with AS don't always understand what that's telling us. We may have a bad feeling, but we might think we're overreacting or, or look how much he loves me and, or it's just a mistake he made this one time because he was upset or I know that we can have better communication. It's probably just me. It's not just you. Listen to your feelings and listen to the thinking side of your brain. Trust those. What you want to do is avoid being controlled by someone else. I think I was particularly susceptible because of not understanding what that meant by controlling me. I thought it was just someone who would tell me I had to do something his or her way. Controlling people have subtle and ingenious ways of controlling that might get right past us. Now that I know I have AS, there are times when I think, 
I know I have poor communication skills in social situations, so I guess that means I have to give more to the relationship. I remember dating a man after I was divorced, and at one point when we were having a discussion, he said to me, well, you're the one who had a failed marriage. And I said to him, no, I had a successful marriage that had reached its conclusion. And I'll always remember the look on his face as total shock because I wouldn't buy into his reality that I had had a failed marriage or there was something wrong with me now or that I couldn't be successful ever again in a relationship. So hopefully that example gives you an idea about the subtleties because our first reaction might be to go, oh yeah, that's right, I did have a failed relationship and then feel bad about ourselves. Someone who wants to care about you or wants to get to know you or wants to be with you doesn't say things like that, even if they have a ring of truth to them. I feel like we have a tendency to perhaps stay in a relationship too long, especially if it's someone who has good social skills, because we know we don't. The person takes over that hard part of our life, you know, being with people and being at ease. Life will inevitably and eventually require us to show up in social situations, whether it's a family member's wedding or a party or a dinner for the company we work for. I mean, there's going to be something. And it feels so much better if we have someone with us, especially someone who can easily talk to everyone. But that quality that we have makes us susceptible to being with the wrong person. A big plus to the relationships I had was having that support of another person there. If someone wants you to give up some of your interests or monopolizes you to the point where you don't seem to have time to do those, they're not the right person for you. If someone starts to criticize the people that you are with, whether it's your family or your friends, and not want you to spend time with them, and they may do it real subtly like, I know your friend doesn't appreciate you. You know, stuff like that, that you think they're legitimately looking out for you. So you don't want to be with a person like that. This is a list of things to look out for that mean this is not the person for you and you're not going to have a good relationship if you stay. Someone who uses your past against you or a past argument against you. You need to think twice. Someone who makes general statements about you that you may even think are somewhat true, but you know that it shouldn't be something that justifies the other person's behavior. Like, you're too sensitive, you're too emotional, or even you're too detached. We know as people with AS that some of these are sort of true. Maybe they're a lot true. But that's not the purpose of someone saying that to you, especially if it sounds more like an accusation than someone trying to be understanding. Someone who tells you what you want, even though you either don't agree or you've never even had that discussion. Someone who accuses you of doing something they did. Someone who completely denies things they've done or said. Someone who's constantly forgetting things that happened. Walk away, 
Someone who puts the blame on others and doesn't take responsibility ever or rarely. Someone who seems to be able to read your mind. And I don't mean in a healthy way, like sometimes we know someone long enough that we can almost finish their sentence. More like somebody who says they know what you're thinking and then maybe they actually do seem to know. Don't be fooled by that. That's not good. That's not healthy. People in healthy relationships don't try to go around reading each other's minds or telling you what you're thinking, even if it's accurate. Someone who lacks empathy. That's a hard one, I think, for people with AS because we're accused of lacking empathy, and we know that's not true. How could we lack empathy and feel so overwhelmed by feelings? I think people see that sometimes we have a blank look on our face and make the assumption that we lack empathy. If you feel what someone else feels when they do have something bad or even something great happen in their life, that's empathy. Someone who's preoccupied with their own beauty or intelligence or success or power I know that people have reason to be proud of those things or be happy with those things. One who can't handle criticism. I used to be accused of being too sensitive or unable to handle criticism. If someone, when you try to give them a suggestion that is really something minimal and they blow up about it, that's a person who can't handle criticism. When someone else thinks they're better than you know they are, and I mean to the point where they're unreasonable, run away from that. Someone who thinks they deserve the best of everything, which usually means they're driving the nicest car, they have the most expensive house, they have the best sound system, they have the biggest TV. Someone who expects to be treated better than others. The classic example of this, if you go out to a restaurant with someone and they're mad about where they got seated. So they don't like the table or the table's location. When their food comes, they complain about all of it. I was with a woman once who we ordered tea, hot tea at a restaurant. And when her tea came, it wasn't hot. It was, you know, really super warm, but it wasn't hot. She called the server over and berated her and said, you obviously don't know anything about making tea. This isn't hot enough. And just on and on. I've also had people I dated who did that. You know what? That was the last time I saw them because that's not good. If they can't even take something that doesn't work on a really small level, they can't take anything bigger. Someone who has no remorse and never apologizes. Well, how do you know if someone has remorse or guilt? As a person with AS, I still have guilt about something I did in eighth grade. But someone who never feels that way, who maybe obviously does something they should feel guilty about and they don't, you don't want to be with that person. Someone who never apologizes. In some of the advice I read along the way, one of the things I heard is that for the benefit of a relationship, you know, when two people are arguing, each one believes they're right in their point of view, and you know, you've got bad feelings just because you're disagreeing, one person can apologize even if they weren't wrong. And you know, most of us will appreciate an apology and we don't hold it against the other person for apologizing. I was with someone though 
that believed that if you apologize, that means factually you were wrong. This person never apologized, even if he did things that were obviously wrong. And that if I apologized, I was a bad person. You don't want to be in that kind of relationship. As a person with AS, I don't read or understand people as easily. So I'm going to default to they're a good person or look, they did this. They must be wonderful. I can totally believe it when it happens. And now that I'm aware of it, I caution myself. I say, is that person really that wonderful? In fact, one of the things I use to know that I'm attracted to the wrong person, if I think too highly of them, or I feel emotion for them too soon in the relationship. Like, I feel like they're the greatest person in the world, or I can't live without them, or this might be my soulmate, or I'm falling in love, and I've only known them a really short period of time. That actually tells me I'm with the wrong person because good relationships aren't built in a short amount of time. We want good relationships, and maybe we're already disadvantaged, which means people can take advantage of us. But that's all the more reason to go slow and to be cautious if you feel too strongly towards someone too soon. There are a lot of traits, and I don't want to go on too much longer, so I'll tell you one final one. And this was really hard for me to understand, and that was if you have a roller coaster relationship. Well, what does that really mean? I mean, obviously, people have their ups and downs. We hear that all the time. We do have arguments or disagreements with each other. Sometimes we don't like the other person for a while, or they don't like us. For those of us with AS, we do need space. And that doesn't mean that we are mad at or don't like the other person, but it might upset them. So what is a roller coaster relationship? It's extremes. Like you're madly in love one minute and then he's not speaking to you for a week and you feel devastated. And when this pattern continues of everything is great and then everything is awful and then everything's great and then you're about to break up, but then you get back together and it's absolutely amazing but then things are bad again. That's a roller coaster relationship. And that's not normal. And it's not good. And it'll only get worse. So don't stay in a relationship like that. And I'll add this because it is a part of roller coaster relationships and contributes to them. And that is if you and a person break up, but the pain you have is so bad that you can't function, especially if it's going on for weeks or more and you still can't function and you think about that person every minute and you wonder about them and you fantasize that you're going to get back together or you think that they're so wonderful, they're so perfect and if only you were better this would work out and you have hope that it will and you always have hope that it will. That is not the right person for you. It seems like they are because otherwise how could you feel this strongly? But trust me, they're not the right person for you. If you and a, and say someone who's a good partner break up, it is going to hurt. But six months later, you shouldn't be thinking about them 24 hours a day. A month later, you shouldn't barely be functioning at your job because of the breakup. Those are not signs of love or deep love or that someone was your soulmate. As hard as it would be 
don't go back to that person. If you have to justify why you should be in a relationship, it's not right for you. If you're in your mind making a list of pros and cons, like, yes, he does this, but he was nice to me, or he bought me flowers, or remember that trip he took me on? If you're justifying the bad behavior with the good behavior, that's not the right person, especially if the bad behavior really hurt you or violated one or more of your boundaries. In my opinion, people with AS are vulnerable, and that's okay. That can be a good quality. It's because we do have more challenges with social communication. We do sometimes or more not really understand someone else's perspective or what the look on their face might mean. We are rejected for saying something we didn't know was wrong. Sometimes we don't understand what someone meant by something they said. So we can be naive and vulnerable. And there are people who aren't who can see that in us and like the idea that they can control us, even if it's not on a conscious level on their part. So by virtue of having AS, we are vulnerable and there are people we attract because of it. We're not victims, we're vulnerable to being a victim or staying a victim. With tools and understanding, we can avoid that. And I used to think that meant, oh, the minute I see a red flag, if I don't break up with this person, then it's my fault. No, that's not true. And it might take longer for those of us with AS and or limited social experience to catch on. But that's okay. When you do catch on, make your decision to walk away from that relationship that isn't bringing you happiness. And it doesn't matter if you're doing the wrong thing and walking away. It doesn't matter if you're doing the right thing and walking away. And you'll ask yourself, am I doing the right thing? You know what? There's no answer to that. If any part of you doesn't like what's going on, you're better off walking away than staying. The world is full of people, and I don't care how much you tell yourself, there are not that many people who like someone with AS. It's not true. The thing is that for me, I have to understand something before I can believe it. Sometimes to understand it, I have to experience it. So all the books I read about relationships, they probably said things like I'm telling you, but I didn't know what they meant. I didn't know how they could be a problem. I could just overcome that problem, right? I mean, people are all basically good. We make mistakes. Once I felt the pain and lost years in a bad relationship, then I started to get it. Then when I did the research, I was able to understand why those things were happening. So my goal here is to share the things that I didn't understand in hopes that maybe some of them will help you along the way. There may be that moment when something that you've heard today or elsewhere just kicks in and you know what to do. A friend used to tell me, when you know what you don't want, you know what you do want. And basically what that says to me is, sometimes we've got to experience a few things And when then we know we don't want them, but we can move on to something we do want. I saw a video today, and it was a man with AS talking, and he is married, and even he found that remarkable. But what he said was that things finally worked for him 
when he started being true to himself. And again, that's one of those statements we hear all the time, be true to yourself. What he explained was that he would tell his partner, here's how I am. Some of these things I can't change. Some of them you can make me feel more comfortable about. And he said that as he was genuine that way, he was accepted. And that was in part because he wanted a partner that would accept him. There's someone out there wondering how he or she or they are going to find someone with a great sense of humor, someone with deep feelings, someone who likes cosplay and goes to Star Trek conventions, someone who can name every bird in their habitat and give you the whole history of them. Because who could be more interesting than someone like you? My best to you in love and in life. This is the Autistic Woman signing off. 